0: Welcome to Lion Talks. I'm Bethany Farrell from Career Development at Texas A&M Commerce. Lion Talks is a podcast presented by alumni and friends of A&M Commerce discussing their journeys openly and honestly to teach students and other alumni that designing a life you love is part of a journey and the first step is to take the first step. Bishop Curry is a Learning Development Program Manager for Toyota Financial Services. He leads a team tasked with the design and delivery of training for auto finance lines of business. Training enhances employee mobility, finance skills in the areas of financial technology, data analytics, and information security. Toyota Financial Services is one of the nation's largest and highest rated automotive finance companies. Bishop has a bachelor's in construction science and a master's in industrial technology from Texas A&M Commerce. Thank you for being here today, Bishop. How are you?
1: Doing well, thank you. Happy to be here. Excited. How are you doing?
0: Doing really well. I'm so excited to have you. And we're excited to sort of talk about your journey to A&M Commerce, and we're really excited to just chat with you today. So, have a few questions and okay. we'll just get started. So, every Lion Talks is really more of a casual conversation, and yep, every yep. episode starts off with the same question. So, tell me what was your favorite part about your time at AM Commerce?
1: Wow. So, I was that part of the uh, Lion football team.
0: I did not yeah. know that. Yeah,
1: that's not in my bio, but so that's actually, <laughs> yeah. So, that's what brought me to AM Commerce. My freshman year, I was at a different university and out of state and was homesick. And so when I came back home, my high school coach actually knew the head coach at AM Commerce at that time, who was Eddie Brister, which was like 25 years ago, probably nobody knows it. But anyway, Eddie said, Hey, you know, we'll give you a shot, come out. You know, we've heard some good things about you. And the, the most important thing, too, was that they had my degree. So I was a construction science major at my other university. So it was a great fit and I enjoyed it, have some lifelong friends. I am mentors from AM Commerce based upon my time there. Awesome. So what did you play? So I played running back, kick return, punt return, you name it. I even a little bit of safety. Like back then that was before we were actually good. <laughs> so they were just like a warm body, get out there. <laughs> but no, we I had a good time though. It was it was fun.
0: That's good. I went to South Carolina undergrad, in my freshman year we went 0 and 11. So wow. hopefully, you know, when you were here, you won a game or two more than we did. So that's well. My great.
1: favorite parts were it was actually the bus rides to out of town games. To be honest with you, because yeah. in the in this was like a shock, but the home games a lot of times people would go home. We would have more fans that are out of back then, more fans that are out of town games. So the bus rides there, the bus rides back, just clowning around on the bus, studying on the bus, sleeping on the bus. So that was fun.
0: That's awesome. That yeah. is so cool. Actually, one of our interns who helps us edit this podcast is on the football team. So nice. he'll be really excited. He'll, be, he'll feel a good connection to this one. Yep. So. so you talked about what led you to A&M Commerce, but what what was your reasoning behind going into construction engineering?
1: Yeah, so for me, so I grew up, I'm originally from Houston and moved to Dallas at a young age, lived in downtown Dallas. And then my mom moved us to the suburbs because she felt like we'd have a better opportunity for school and exposure and education. So I literally moved from inner city Dallas to Allen, which was a culture shock. But back then, like it was being built up. So they were building buildings, they were building houses and all that good stuff. And so I remember being a kid, like walking through construction projects, like all the time. And so I just, you know, uh, developed a fascination for the construction process, the project management process. I was always curious. So I'd always wonder, like, how would you go from, you know, just the ground up? I learned to speak Spanish and talk to the construction workers a little bit. Good words and bad words. More good words than bad words. But anyway. <laughs> but yeah, so it's just a unique environment to grow up in where, like, you know, Alan at the time we moved there was Twenty thousand people, and by the time I graduated high school, it was almost a hundred thousand people. So you can imagine how much growth and construction was going on. So when my mom was like, "Well, you know, what do you want to do in college? You can do this, that, and the other," and I was like, "Well, I actually like construction science." And she's like, "Well, how can you make money doing that?" And I was like, "I don't know, but I'll figure it out."
0: Yeah, there. Yeah, and that's a really cool background story, kind of what led you into that field. And we'll talk later how that sort of progressed in your career. Yeah. It's funny, I went to high school in inner city Dallas and downtown, grew up um, in sort of East Dallas. And it's amazing just that part of town, how different it is when I go oh there. Oh my
1: gosh, night and day. I mean,
0: my high school looks like a totally different place. I went to Woodrow.
1: And Woodrow. Totally,
0: okay. Yeah. Totally okay. different place than it was when I went there uh, a few years ago, we'll say.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's cool. And I actually, I I feel that on the Allen growth because we used to go up to the lake up that direction. And then our directions literally used to be drive on 75 north until it ends.
1: Until it ends.
0: Those are not the directions anymore.
1: Yeah. (laughs)
0: It was like, go to the last stop sign. And so it's wild how much it's changed. Yeah. Definitely a lot of uh, money to be made in the construction industry up that way for sure. So, Yep. So you talked a little bit about your childhood and growing up. What would you say is a lesson that uh, you maybe learned in childhood that has impacted you to this day?
1: Well, I think, you know, my mom always taught me. So I grew up single mom um, and she always taught me like the cream rises to the the top and I can do whatever I want to do. So that lesson, what she was trying to tell me is don't let anything limit you. So whether it's career, whether it's whatever you want to do, you can do it as long as your heart's in the right place, right and you work hard. So those were two you know great lessons. So as a kid, I had my own um, lawn mowing business at from like the age of nine and I was pushing my lawnmower down the street, knocking on doors, you know asking neighbors can I cut their yard? and it's just something I've always done. Even through college, I played football, but then I worked at the library too, G Library, and so I would get out of practice and go to work or go to work in between classes, and so I think hard work and, and optimism and, you know, not letting anybody define you, and so that's a lesson that my mom always also taught me was, like, you define yourself, and I think a lot of times you go to college and you, you know, focus on this one degree, and then you want to get in this one career, and I think sometimes we unintentionally allow that to define us, but we actually work for ourselves, and whatever we want to do, we can reskill, upskill, network, and, you know, grow into anything that we want to be. One of my favorite motivational speakers, Les Brown, always talks about human beings are the only beings with unlimited uh, potential. A tree can only be a tree. A dog can only be a dog. But humans, we never stop learning and we can always transition and transform ourselves into whatever. So that was, you know, something that's something that I live by and something that, you know, my mom definitely raised me with.
0: Yeah, I I absolutely love that. One thing we talk about with our students is life design. We use a lot of design thinking and, and sort of a new thing we've been doing and talking to students about designing a life they love. It's not just about one part of what you do, you know. You can have so many careers in your lifetimes. You don't really, nobody really goes to like work their one job and their one, make their one widget for 25 years and then get their gold watch and retire anymore. There's so much out there and so much that you can do in this world. And you can really, like you said, define that path for yourself. And that's really well,
1: yeah. And you don't have to accept less than, right? So, you know, I'm 40, I'm, you know, I'm put it out there. <laughs> There's been times along the way where people have tried to define my path, right? And I've respect respectfully declined. Like I, I know you wishing me the best. Some of some of it has been my own family members saying, "I think you should do this or that," but through my own research and my own heart's desire, respectfully declined and sort of marched by the beat of my own drum. And so, that's something that you know, you know, I learned right over time. Even my first uh, manager out of college was my professor at Anm Commerce. Jim Bob Grove, fantastic guy. He's still my mentor to this day. And, you know, I worked for him at L3 Communications for about three years. And I decided to do something different, right? And he was, like, I you know, he was like, I want you to stay. You got a bright future here. You can grow. But my heart was going somewhere else, right? So I think we, you, you know, often come to these forks in the road where, and I'm not saying that all advice is bad advice, but I think, you know, most people know deep down inside you know where their guiding light is taking them and, and what they should do so that's something that I w- i've always done it's gotten me in trouble sometimes but it's worked out more often than than hasn't worked out
0: yeah i think you nailed it there it's important to trust your gut yeah. and, and be oak and not be afraid of the what ifs or that if if something were to fail then what's going to happen i know i struggle with that myself as a you know i like to plan my life five years at a time kind of thing and it's something i struggle with well what if this doesn't work out and i know students struggle with that too
1: so yeah. you need a backup plan right you do so I, i'm the same way right so i i had a, a three-year de- sort of development sort of career uh goal plan you know four years ago and i met it and then i was like okay well, what now <laughs> and i was like I, you know, I need to sort of step back and reassess where i want to go i achieved it right so you need a backup plan, right? You, you do, especially if you're like for me, right? I'm a provider. So I've got, you know, three kids and a wife and two dogs, 10 chickens, a garden and a house, right? So I, you know, I have to be able to, to put food on the table and provide. But at the same time, even within that, there's still bandwidth for exploration and sort of defining your own path and, and, and failing and learning from those failures and, and sort of picking yourself back up, not getting down on yourself. And you know, and moving forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love that you have chickens. I am a city Dallas girl that lives out in the country. My husband wants land and all these things. And I'm like, babe, I killed the aloe vera last week. Like I'm trying here, but that's awesome. You'll have to teach me your way. Let me know. Yeah, I will for sure. So how did you, you talked about that uh, transition, your first career transition. So yeah. how did you, when you went into that first job at L3, what did you learn that would benefit our students when going from that student role into that professional role in sort of that corporate America world?
1: Yeah. So it was an adjustment for me. So even though I came from, you know, I would call it, you know, a broken home somewhat, but my dad was still in my life, but he was always in business for himself. So we my aunts and uncles and my mom was in corporate America but she was also working for herself as a contractor so like I never really saw you know corporate America modeled outside of you know once or twice for a career day my mom took me to work and I was like what are all these cubicles right so it was a you know a learning experience for me that first day on the job walking in wanting to put my best foot forward I interviewed in a suit and tie. And so my first day of work, I was like, okay, I should carry a briefcase, a suit and tie. And I remember walking through one of the the shops at L3 and a guy was like, what are you doing with a tie on? He was like, we have airplanes here. If a propeller cranks up, you're going to get sucked in. I just didn't know. And so what I tried to always, and what I've always done is try to find somebody that I can emulate that's doing it well and that carries themselves. Like I want to carry myself and learn from them. And so fortunately for me, it was, you know, my professor from, you know, and Commerce that was there. But then I also found other groups and, and, and folks that were like more my age because he was like 20 years older than me. So some of the stuff was like, I was like, I don't know. But I've always tried to model myself, you know, uh, after somebody and emulate somebody. And sometimes they're in my company and sometimes they're not. But it's like, OK, who has characteristics that I need to develop and how can I learn from them? right? So transitioning into corporate America, you know, was a, um, you know, it was a little stressful, um, but at the same time, the other piece was, like, I had to learn to be myself. So you're around all these people that are, you know, confident and successful, and I was coming from an environment where I was confident and successful as well, right? So bachelor's degree, master's degree at anm Commerce, but I still had a skill and knowledge gap when it came to being in, you know, in corporate America and even my internship. So I interned at Texas Department of Transportation in Greenville and then also in Sulphur Springs. So two interns over the summer. That's not corporate America. Like you're out on projects and you're on the side of the road. And so going into an office environment was definitely different. But I learned to, one, be myself and learn to polish up on those, you know, sort of soft skills that I need to polish up on through learning from others, through mentors and things like that.
0: Yeah. That's some really great advice. I think it's so important to find that mentor and find someone that you, you see those people when you're in that environment, you see somebody and you meet them and you're like, man, I want to, I want to be them when I grow up. Like that's how Mm -hmm. I kind of like to frame it. And so it's really good to reach out to those people. And I think that people in organizations like that are flattered by a new young gung-ho employee who wants to come in and follow in their footsteps. And I think um, if you find those people that are passionate about what you're doing, if they'd be, they're they a really good asset to you and help you um, to move forward. I, and it's funny you said that. I have a tendency to uh, flock towards people who are older than me. I always say I'm an old soul. Yeah. <laughs> I always used to get along with the adults that than the kids sometimes. <laughs> True.
1: And, and I still give back today. So it's the same thing. So we just had a group of interns come through, you know, our organization and I'm like, hey, reach out to me at any time. I've been there done that and I know how uncomfortable it can feel and even it's even harder now for this generation because so much is done online and so much is done you know through texting or you know learning platforms and things like that that the art of sort of you know feeling comfortable reaching out to a stranger it's more challenging today than it was you know 20 30 years ago so um I always encourage you know our our interns reach out like i you know, I've been there, and I and I can kind of help. So my, my heart goes out to them. So that's so why I always try to give back when I can. They yeah. don't always answer the you know the call or whatever, but I always make myself available. And I think you know a lot of them don't realize how much, to your point, you know, the older generation does want to help because we realize that it's it's a challenge, right? So
0: yeah, and we 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 have advice to give, and we want to exactly we want to see. You know, I mean, I made mistakes when I was twenty two that are cringeworthy. And if I can keep a student from making that future mistake their first week at work, you know, I just think about those things sometimes and think, whoo, I'm glad years. I had a forgiving boss, you know, <laughs> and so the lessons you learn. So what would you say, you know, I want to know a little bit more about your sort of transition in your career. So construction and engineering, and now you're in learning and, and delivery and right. how, you, how you got to Toyota. So tell me a, bit, a little bit about, tell us a little bit about your path.
1: Yeah, so if you think about construction engineering, it's, you know, people skills and, you know, initiative or project management, right? So there's something that needs to be done, and you need somebody to, you know, partner with a team to get it done, right? And so that's what I did at L3. And and then while there, though, they had this program called 6 sigma which had to do with process improvement total quality management a lot of the things that i had done you know through case studies and getting my masters degree in industrial technology which is now industrial engineering there at A&M commerce and so i really gravitated towards that right so i went into l3 wanting to do one thing but then as i continued to upskill and grow and seek certifications i realized you know what i actually want to be more in the sort of assembly and manufacturing process and so got a certification, I got a mentor, and I was, you know, part of those, you know, projects, but I wanted to do it full-time, not just part-time, and at that point, three years into the role, my career was heading more and more to the construction engineering side, which I loved. It was a lot of design and, and project management, but I really liked the, you know, the process improvement style better, and the, the, the philosophy of, you know, looking at you know, what's a current state process and envisioning what it could be and then partnering with the team to go from point A to point B, right? To benefit the company, to benefit customers. And so that's why I transitioned and, you know, was fortunate enough to transition into a medical device company where that's all they needed, you know, at Abbott, which was St. Jude Medical at the time was somebody to look at their processes, somebody that understood regulations, somebody that could design a creative future state to help the business meet their needs, and to partner with the the assemblers to, to to go from point A to point B, right? So I spent three years there. While I was there, our productivity doubled. I continued to seek certifications. So that while there, I got a lean certification. I got a lot of advisory skills certifications and management certifications. And the cool part about that company was that we would have, so we would uh, develop implantable medical devices. So it looked similar to a pacemaker, but it was and plant it in somebody, and they would run wires up their spine, and it could turn off pain. And so we would have our customers come in and say how much of a life-changing event it was to have our devices. And that's something that's really important to me, too. I'm a person of faith, and I believe we're all put here for a reason. So for me to be able to work in an environment where you know what we built and produced you know, helped change the lives of people, it was phenomenal. Yeah. so loved it, uh, was was doing really well there and there was a you know economic down- downturn at the time. And so Bank of America actually called me. they're like, hey, we see you on LinkedIn. We see what your skill set is, what you've done. We need somebody like you to you know come into our company and actually design processes that are efficient that meet you know the regulator's expectations because we've gotten all of these infractions. Uh, and I remember saying, well, how does that work? I was like, I've, I've been in manufacturing. I don't know how that would work in the business world. And so I was like, I want to interview somebody that does what you're asking me to do. So that was another, I think, not necessarily. I, I'm not bragging on myself, but it was like I wanted to make sure that I truly knew what I was getting into. Right. So being thorough about knowing, even though they're interviewing me, I was interviewing them, too. I wanted to make sure that the company culture was right. I wanted to make sure that my growth opportunities were right. I wanted to make sure that, you know, I wasn't going into something that I wasn't fully, you know, aligned to. And my mentor always tells me, he was like, never run from something, always run to something. I had a good job. Things were going well. So I interviewed what they were calling a process design consultant at the time. And I literally knew more than he did as it, you know, pertained to understanding how a business operates: something comes in, something gets done to it, something goes out. There's regulatory and, and technological, you know, implications to that. And I stepped right in, um, you know, and and did it. So they uh, they made a great offer. So I transitioned to Bank of America and helped them sort of ride the wave through the you know the mortgage crash at the time. So met a lot of people, designed a lot of processes, continued to get ed- certifications. So I got two certifications while I was there in process engineering. So as we helped the bank, you know, what we call right size, you know, they begin to start moving us around. Uh, people began to leave the company because they they hired a lot of people to help fix it. Right. So then now that they had all these people, it was a surplus. So the writing was on the wall. I think one year I went through, I think I had like eight managers one year and my manager recently left and she gave me a heads up. She was like, you probably want to start looking internal or external, you, you may have more opportunities externally just because of the, you know, the the state of Bank of America at this time. So I began to look externally and one of the things that I've always done is, you know, assess, okay, where do I need to be in five years, just like you did from a skill set standpoint, but then also from an industry standpoint. And so while some banks got hit hard during that economic downturn, others actually benefited. And one of those banks that benefited was Capital One. And it happened to be like three miles away from where I was working at Bank of America. And during the economic downturn, Capital One had purchased several banks. Chevy Chase, Hibernia, ING Direct, all these banks that were impacted by the economic downturn. But because Capital One was healthy, they were able to gobble them up. And guess what? They needed people to come in, design processes, align, you know, these companies that they had purchased or the banks they had purchased with the way that they did business from a technological standpoint, from a process standpoint, from a regulatory standpoint, all the stuff that I had recently done at Bank of America. So I, you know, I spent about three or four months evaluating should I apply, should I not? So I applied and I got two offers. And so wound up transitioning and doing the same thing there and so essentially integrating the companies, right, so they had the label of Capital One, but they really were their own banks, and so I spent three years helping to integrate our technologies while there, continued to get certifications, so the industry trend moved from Six Sigma, which I was well versed in, to Agile, and so we got several Agile certifications, continued to build my network and my brand, and so One of the things that I would say is very, very important in corporate America is when you leave a company, and you can leave for some great reasons, and you can leave for some wrong reasons, you want to make sure that your brand is solid right, while you're working, but then also when you leave. Perfect example, when I transitioned away from St. Jude Medical, the president wrote me a letter saying, we love what you did here. If you ever want to come back, we can find a space for you. When I left Bank of America, same thing. You're going to a great company. And even though my mentor was sad that I was leaving, you know, L3, he was proud of me for, you know, you know, charting my own path. So actually at Capital One, things were going really, really well. I was doing a lot of things at work on my daily job as a process engineering manager. I had a great team. But then I was also leading what we called an affinity group there, which helped other employees develop professionally. So I went through the program and then I helped Transition the program or expand the program from Richmond, Virginia, where it was to Plano. And so I was leading Plano Development Program. I get a call from Toyota. Hey, we're moving to Plano. We have a role that came open. We're looking for somebody that does what you do. Would you be would you mind not interviewing? We just want you to just meet the manager for a hamburger and just talk with them about the role just to see if, you know, it would be a good fit for you or not. Well, at the same time. Capital One was courting me to move to Virginia to their headquarters. They're like, We think you could do well, your career would take off. And so I had a decision to make. My wife and I had recently had my daughter at the time, so she was a baby. And my wife was like, Well, you know, all our family's here. If we move, we won't have any help. You know, the family won't be able to see our daughter. So I had two offers at the same time one from Toyota. One from Capital One and I decided to transition to, to Toyota. It was home. Um, the role was a process engineering role, which they called an operational excellence manager. So transition there and things went really, really well. But going back to what I mentioned before, I'm always trying to look to see, okay, where is the market going, right? For somebody like me. What skill sets do I need? And so I remember talking to my manager about two years in. And I was like, for somebody that does what I do, like I really need to be in IT because it's less process improvement and it's more innovation and technological improvement. And he was like, I agree. Uh, and he's like, I'll help develop you, right? So that's another key nugget is that like you leverage your managers and your network to help you see what you can't see, but then also to help you develop and grow, right? So there, hey, there's some soft skills that always need to be developed. There may be some hard skills that you need. So he allowed me to go to training to continue to develop those skills that I needed. He would do what's called 360 reviews. And I think most larger companies do that. So basically what that means is everybody that you interact with on a annual basis, right? You may partner with them on one project or two or three, but most of the time your manager will circle back around and say, how was it working with Bishop? What was great? Do you see any opportunities for improvement? And all data that's just feedback right so even some of the things that you get back that may be you may perceive as negative or, or may not feel good it's almost like getting a shot because you say well at least now i know right and i can you know work on that aspect and then going back to like uh, your corporate brand you want your brand to be solid right so if there's you know a leader or leaders that have identified an improvement area you want to know about it because you want to improve it right so After two, two and a half years, an innovation manager role came open in IT, and my manager actually, you know, vouched for me to apply. I said, hey, I want to apply for it. He was like, I think you should. The hiring manager of the role that I applied for met with my manager and wanted to learn about me, what I was about, and um, wound up getting it. And so the company at that point, as I mentioned, had moved from, I don't know if I mentioned it or not, but relocated their headquarters from LA to Plano. So typically what happens when you do that is most of your leadership will stay for a little bit, let the dust settle, make sure the company is still headed in the right direction. And then you have a lot of people that retire or transition back to where they came from. And So that happened about a year after I you know, stepped into that innovation manager role. So here comes new leadership and new visions. And so that brings me to the role that I have today. So the innovation manager role actually transitioned into the learning program role that I have today. And I still do a little of that, but I'm learning this aspect of it as well and, and doing some more things. So I've got a good team, the company is, is healthy, uh, and the timing is, is great because about a year ago or so, uh, Toyota redefined itself uh, from an automobile company to a mobility company. And so what does that mean? Not just cars, anything that enables movement. And so people need to learn what that means, right? So you have to learn you know, from an innovation standpoint, from a customer satisfaction standpoint, from a cybersecurity standpoint, there's a lot of educational components that go into sort of you changing your identity as a company. And so that's the space that I'm in now. So I'm learning, but I'm learning while helping other people learn as well.
0: That's so cool. And now you're in like process improvement, but in like a totally different way that really honestly, probably didn't exist 20 years ago. And it's just it. so, it's so yeah. cool to hear your story and see how you're the journey that you've been on and it just, you've done so many things, right. And I know that our listeners will be so thankful for that. So many tidbits, like I was trying to write things down quickly. Uh, there's definitely some great quotable moments there for sure. So how do you, you know, you are always getting a certification. You're a lifelong learner, clearly, yeah. What advice do you have to somebody, you know, you talked about your family life. How do you balance all of that? What are some tips that you have learned to make sure that you balance that, your family and your work and your personal and all of that?
1: Yeah, so family comes first. Um, And I've missed a lot of opportunities and I don't see it as a negative, but I'm not going to prioritize work over my family. And I've made, you know, a couple of my managers upset that I didn't prioritize work time over family time. So for me, that's a personal belief that I have, that I, I'm just not going to do that. Another part of my balance has to do with sort of my mental well-being and mental health. So what does that mean? Like, I'm designed to give back. So this conversation that we're having, like, this is part of what it keeps me sane, right? Knowing that I can help the next generation come along. Um, I also mentor through Dallas Independent Student School District virtually. I mentor at work. And about a month ago, I spoke to 100 students at El Central virtually on some similar topics, right? So my balance is to make sure that not only am I, you know, a great employee, but that I give back, because if I don't give back, then for me, you know, my mind and body don't work in sync. So that's the mental health aspect of it, physical health. So I make sure that I exercise, you know, daily, so, or at least a few times a week. So that's important, too, because, you don't realize how much exercise you get when you're in college walking here and there even though you may you may feel like you're a couch potato but literally you're getting way more exercise than most adults so that's one thing you have to realize when you get out you have to you know make sure you have those healthy routines the third part is like knowing when to get help like the world has some crazy things going on now and you know at times it's too much for us emotionally and mentally so knowing when to reach out to somebody to say you know what i just need to talk so maybe it's a counselor maybe it's a pastor maybe it's you know your mom or dad but know that like you can't handle everything by yourself and so while you're early on in your career develop those healthy routines and those will you know definitely help you you know long term so so balance is you know uh, a tricky thing because you know there's never an exact balance right so uh, the other day i'm going you know to pick my kid up and I'm on a conference call. You know, sometimes I have to take a conference call from the car and I'm more than comfortable letting my manager know, hey, I'm gonna stay on as long as I can on my laptop or my phone. But at some point I'm not need to transition, you know, to go to go pick my kid up. So, you know, and, and it looks different, right? It looks different. Right. So um, a lot of people that I work with have nannies. And so their kids are at school, or their kids are at home at school, and the nannies are caring for them. Like I don't—that's the choice that my wife and I made, not to do that, right? Um, and so I don't look at them, and and um, I'm not upset by their choices. That's what makes their um, their life work, and that's their what we call their dance, right? So everybody has a different dance. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, don't compare yourself to to others. You have to do what works best for you right? So sometimes that means taking a step away from corporate America for a while. I work with several people that have said, you know what, I took several years off to focus on me or to focus on my family or to focus on my health. And that's okay, because as I mentioned, like you have to define who you are and not let the world define you.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, you're just like writing it for me. And it's like, you've seen my questions. I did not. I haven't seen them. I know. um, But you just keep leading right into the next one. It's great. I barely even have to look at my notes. So this is awesome. We've talked before about your son and his own, you've instilled this entrepreneurial spirit in him. This is just kind of a fun question. How would he describe what you do
1: for a living? I I don't think he, I mean, he's asked a couple of times, but I don't think he gets it. He's you know, I, I think he'll get it in, the, you know, 15 years from now, you know, when, when he's out of college. But I, I think he's appreciative of the fact that, you know, my company saw what his vision was and supported him, especially in the beginning as he, you know, proceeded to get a patent for a device to stop kids from dying in hot cars. He got that. He's gone through the whole, you know, engineering process of hiring a team and, and sort of building it out. He recently hired a lawyer to evaluate, you know, licensing opportunities. So for him to do that, right, at, at this age, he doesn't realize it's his norm. So he's not wild by what I do. He's not kind of wild by what he does. It's just kind of the rhythm that we have. And, you know, here recently, he was accepted to a Congressional Youth Advisory Council here in, in Collin County, where he's helping politicians make decisions, or he recommends decisions for politicians from his perspective, right? So as a ninth grader, Here's what I'd like to see better in my city or in my county. Right. So, you know, he's so he's 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 definitely ahead of the game in that regard. But as far as him, like knowing what I do and, and sort of thinking it's cool, I'm just an old guy. So that's about it.
0: My daughter likes to, my daughter's only five, but she likes to say, well, especially during the pandemic, my husband would leave and go to work. He works in agriculture sales and she would say, oh, daddy goes to work because he's an important businessman and you're just on the phone going blah, 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 blah. I was like, well, it's a little different, but okay, you're 5 You'll get it one day. One day you will very much appreciate your mother's ability to help you on your career trajectory and introduce you to people like Bishop Curry.
1: Well, my daughter thinks I build cars, so she doesn't get it either. (laughs) But the cool part was, so before the pandemic, so March, yeah, right around March... Uh, second or third, whenever spring break was last year, so I actually took them to San Antonio to our manufacturing facility. So they were actually able to see, you know, the automotive side and the manufacturing side. And even though I'm on the finance side, I think it helped them connect the dots. So okay, when the car comes off the line, right, you've got to have, you know, financing. You have to have all these c- computer systems that talk to each other that make sure when an application goes in. So that kind of helped, you know. I think, but when the pandemic hit, all their focus was on the world was upside down anyway. Get it. yeah. Um, so
0: if you could turn back the clock and, uh, talk to your 18 year old college self, what would you tell yourself that, that you think our listeners would benefit from?
1: Yeah, I, I think what I try to, and, and when I, when you ask that question, I immediately think about my sons. Cause it's like, well, what do I want to instill in them? So I'm three kids. So ninth grade, seventh grade, and then a kindergartner, um, the boys are older and then the daughter, but i I want them to be confident that they can do anything. And I think when I was 18, I didn't have that confidence to, to I think, to go for it like I do now. And so, you know, I, I, I that's what I want them to realize is that you can be whatever you want to be and, you know, sort of, you know, be, be confident in that. I think... A lot of the decisions that I make, looking back, were the right decisions. But I was nervous and I was scared and a little afraid that it wouldn't work out. And even though it worked out, I don't want them to have that fear. I want them to be able to, you know, walk on water and say, "I, you know, I can, I can do it." The other piece is, uh, you know, it's always important to surround yourself with people that pour into you and that you're not always pouring into. And uh, sometimes you don't realize that some of the people that and this was a, a you know a harder decision for me, but some of the people that I grew up with in high school and and were you know was friends with and still have good relationships with, some of those people aren't good for you when you're trying to, you know, be successful. Right. So if somebody's not helping to push you forward and you know and they're pulling you back, then you probably need to consider, you know, not spending as much time around that person and surrounding yourself with people that are like-minded that are walking to a similar beat right from a drum standpoint and that you can help each other because just because you grew up with somebody doesn't mean you're obligated to hang out with them all the time. Just because somebody's, you know, maybe in your same on your same team or, you know, even in your same sorority or fraternity, it's like you have to think about, like, what's good for you? Because these few years while you're in college are so critical to where you're going to be, you know, 20, 40, 60 years from that from now. So make sure that the people like the people that I talk to in text from anm Commerce, we were all rolling in the same direction. So and the people that I don't, I'm still friends with them. But you know, I'm just I, I don't I didn't invest that time in them because I knew that it, there was no return on investment. So if you think about and when I think about all the certifications I've gotten and the degrees that I have I've gotten a return on investment, right? Um, and the good friendships that I have return on investment, and that's not selfish, it's they're pouring into me, I'm pouring into them. And so it, it's there's a mutual benefit there. But if somebody's draining you, you don't need them. Just <laughs> you don't yeah. need them. Just, Oh, totally. I do yeah. this
0: exercise with students and we talk about energy gainers and energy drainers. That's
1: exactly right.
0: And you gotta get rid of those drainers. Whatever it may be, whether it's a person or a process or an activity, that exactly. you know, when you're doing something during the day, if it drains you, it's going to impact you so much. And that's so, so on point, totally. Yeah. So I've loved talking to you. I feel like we could talk for hours. And I just, I want to get one last question in. Okay. And this is like our sort of traditional last question. If our listeners were to leave this and they only remembered one thing of the awesome things that you said, what would you want that one thing to be? And it maybe it's something you haven't mentioned, but if they leave here and they've only, they only remember one thing, what would that one takeaway be?
1: You, know, you just you define yourself and you define your success, right? So where you end up, regardless of circumstances, because guess what? Good things are going to happen and bad things are gonna happen. Can you get through the bad and continue to push towards the good and not let those be excuses? Or are you gonna allow that to to derail you? But the the balls in your court you own that, right? So you can be as successful as you want to be. Um, and so if you believe that, and hopefully this talk and, and some of the examples I gave sort of you know inspire you to know that regardless of what happens, right? So you're gonna have challenges in your family, maybe challenges in your personal life, challenges with health, challenges with school and with professors, I had some mean professors at AM Commerce. I'm not gonna list them, but some of them, I'm like, how am I gonna get out of this class, right? And so, you know, I had to figure that out. But, um, but you are the the the, the master of your destiny, and you can do it. And, and hopefully, I can be, you know, um, just one sort of you know, inspiration, and in my story can be an inspiration to you because I've been there, right? I was there on campus. So, okay, well.
0: It. That's great. I mean, that's perfect. I, I love that advice. And it's definitely a takeaway that we hope our students will remember as they're going forward. And our alumni that listen to it's, you know, it's never too late to design a life that you love, and to make that transition and to pour into yourself. So thank you for that. And we just want to thank you so much for your yeah. time today, and for joining us. And your episode will be up on all the places people get podcasts very soon and okay. we look forward to seeing you the next time you're on campus maybe in 2021 when we have a football season i know yeah
1: uh, I can we can
0: back. see you at tailgate
1: or a career day <laughs> i think i came for career day last year oh yeah
0: you did yes if you yeah, ever do that in pr- we're actually doing it virtual this year so maybe we can get you in there for some uh presentation topics or some keynote
1: or something perfect all right awesome. so thank you and
0: been listening to Lion Talks, a production of the staff of Career Development at Texas A&M Commerce. If you are in need of job search assistance or are an employer looking to hire a lion, please email us at hirealion.tamuc.edu. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so you can join us in two weeks for the next episode of Lion Talks. To stay updated about our programs, services, job opportunities, and upcoming hiring events, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TAMUC Hire a Lion.